You are listening to the Jason Killingsworth Podcast. Let's go. We are here to celebrate curiosity, play, creativity, honesty, self-expression, self-discovery. If, like me, you're fascinated by how people tamp down their fear, their neuroses, their monkey mind, their self-preservation instinct long enough to create meaningful work and lives, then you are in the right place. Today's guest is Mugesen, an Icelandic songwriter that I discovered back in 2005, 2005, uh, somewhere back there in the early mists of time, and I was a music reporter for Paste Magazine at the time, and his CD came across my desk. Uh, I suppose the word CD uh, dates me a little bit, but I just got immediately captivated by his fearlessness and uh, this crazy, generous... Um, way that, that he communicated his, uh, his musical ideas. And I got a chance to fly to Iceland to interview him and spent a few days, a few very memorable days over there uh, talking to him and uh, visiting the small town up in the West Fjords where he recorded an early soundtrack of his and uh, where he has moved back to more recently. So I hope you enjoy the conversation I know you'll love it, because he's amazing. Okay, so let's jump in. I am joined by Mugesen. It is a pleasure to have you on the podcast, and the very first guest, no less. <laughs> well, it's an honor. It's great, great talking to you again. It's been a while. The first time we met, I was working for Paste Magazine at the time, and uh, we got this email from your publicist saying, hey, come out to Iceland. He's working on this uh, this movie soundtrack uh, called Little Trip. Uh, he's in the studio with his engineer Biggie in uh, Sundlaugen in Sigurosa's studio. Uh, you should come out for a few days and talk to him and, and maybe you can write something about his music. I'd never heard your music, uh, but when I heard the name of the record, uh, Moogie Mama is this monkey music, I knew that I had to get on that plane and co- and come talk to you to find out what kind of crazy bastard names names an album uh, uh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you showing up and uh, uh, were you for two or three days in Reykjavik or with yeah. us? Yeah, something like that. And then uh, it was so funny when you went to like my neck of the woods, the Westfjords, which is exactly where you left them. We're stuck in Suðavík, we can't, which is the town where we live, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, me and my family now. When you came, we lived in Reykjavík, but you went to Suðavík to check the origin. I think you uh, tried to talk me out of it, actually, because there was a big storm moving in. Yeah. And, and you said, maybe exactly. it's not a good idea. I think you have 24 hours before your plane takes off from Reykjavík. So to, uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be talked out of it. I had to, I had yeah, to go you, see it. You're a little bit crazy back then. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> and I got stuck. Uh, spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, the that storm moved in, and we got completely snowed under, and the airport closed. Uh, yeah, and, so that's that. Yeah. That has been the situation for the last two days. We've been stuck in the village. Oh, uh, have you? Yeah, no way out. <laughs> so one of the interesting things, um, as I've been writing this book uh, called Perfect, uh, which is all about digging into the into the aspects of ourselves that we maybe try and push away that, that don't look or feel quite right. Um, or that other people or the world, um, at large tries to get us to, to kind of push out the back door and forget about, um, I want to talk to artists who are embracing those parts of themselves and just incorporating and integrating it all into their creativity, into who they are. And I think, at at the time that I came out there to interview you, I was I was going through a bit of that journey in my own life. Um, you know, my my religious faith, my Christian faith, was was slowly starting to kind of unravel a little bit. Uh, there were a few pieces of yarn kind of hanging out, and I was I was tugging at them a bit. But the whole thing hadn't unraveled yet. But uh, having having those conversations with you, there was there was something about your this this healthy disrespect for authority and your this this desire to go your own way and to listen to your muse and to like find your own inspiration regardless of of who felt uh you know whoever had opinions about it that that didn't really matter the the only opinion that you that you seemed to care about was was how you felt about it and um how happy it made you. So I, I felt like it would be interesting to, to talk to you after, you know, a few years had gone by and, and understanding all of the the things that were resonating with me when I, when I spoke to you back then, I think the title of the piece that I wrote was a song for the guilty hero. Right. And, uh, I think I, I was writing about you, but really I, I was probably, uh, the guilty one. Um, but now, but now I've I've gotten over that guilt a little bit. Uh, so I'd well, love I'd love to get into to some of those topics. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, well, I, I feel like you know, being creative, it's it's a bit like a gold diggers uh, fairy tale. You know, hmm. you know, you're, you're you're following your gut feeling, even though you don't know what the gut feeling is in words or uh, like some of my songs. I, 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 uh, you know, you, you get a, a general feeling, but you, I have no idea of the concept. I have nothing to go on, just some excitement. Um, I don't know, just to name like a, a one song that I did uh, in Icelandic called Stinkum Av. Uh, the idea came to me in a funeral Um with my aunt, uh, she was old, and I had spent some summers with her. And I remember just sitting in the funeral, missing her. And then I got like the the smell. I could remember a smell from my youth when I was uh, working for her, and, and she was like uh, on a farm. Hmm. And I just, I, I, I just immediately knew, hey, I'm I'm onto something, <laughs> you know. And from then for the next, yeah, yeah just like uh, remembering a smell. Uh, and and a feeling, and then I spent two weeks uh, writing that song just based on on that. I didn't know anything else. Um, I just had I knew I had something, and I feel you know the, being 
creative. It's it's total chaos for me at least. But there is this like or or a donkey chasing a banana. You know, it's just like <laughs> yeah, you know, let's go. You yeah. know, and, and most of the time it's it's uh, it, it turns out to be nothing. But you know, it's, it's just like with the gold diggers. You know, it's. It's a yeah. lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, one of the one of the interesting things about your music for me, um, and one of the things that struck me when I first heard it was was how many different uh, voices you you allow into a record. Um, I mean, in terms of how you approach the singing of of those songs. I mean, there are, there are songs on. I mean, there's a song on Mooga Boogie uh, where it's sort of a straight up kind of doom metal song, uh, <laughs> just absolutely like tearing the jugular out of that song and then there's others that are are very sultry and 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 more of a, a troubadour ballad and then and there are ones that are just pure uh, you know parliament funkadelic and and you know it's it's amazing to me that that you're able to inhabit all of those but uh, talk to me about how you you find which voice you know suits which mood and which and which song and and how you think about that well um, I'm very easily distracted uh, when I'm writing songs. Uh, I get very easily bored, um, and it's it's like this inner dialogue or uh, inner monkey or whatever you call it. Uh, the the critique. Uh, I think most nag- people call it the inner voice or the inner monologue, but you would call it the inner monkey, uh, which is yeah, why yeah. I love it. <laughs> Well, it's this weird thing, you know, you're strumming a chord, you know, it's been done thousand times before, million times before. Uh, you're saying some words probably in a similar style that's done thousand times before, but but still you feel unique and still you feel you, you got something to say. And, you know, it's... Um, it's it's just weird, you know. It's like then 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 the monkey says, "You're all, you know, you, yeah yeah, I like it, I like it, or I I don't like it." And then you know you start that dialogue. Where do you want to take this? Ah, make it, uh, don't make it a ballad. Make it, uh, you know, psychedelic. Make it rock and roll. To see see where that will take us. And then uh, you know sometimes you follow that guidance, and it turns out to uh, it, it works out, but. You know, and sometimes it'll, it'll get frustrated again. You know, hmm. I, I told you it wouldn't work as a funk song. Uh, <laughs> it was all along a rock and roll song, and like I have no, um, no kind of. I think it might be my uh, Achilles heel in a way that I, I can't be stuck in one genre. I can't work in one style. Um, I just I so need to be looking, you know, for something new uh, most of the time. Even though now in in a I don't know a career of fifteen years, mm-hmm. if 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 you listen to the albums, I'm 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 sure there's a voice there, you know, if not just my human voice, you know, my singing style or whatever. But, yeah, uh, there's something that connects it all together. But it's very schizophrenic, and and probably if I was on Universal or one of the big ones. You know, they they have they would have dropped me on my first album, just because of inconsistency. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's really one of the interesting things for me because this idea of perfection and the thing I'm teasing apart is is how 
we are so many different things at once. And, and that the idea of perfection is this kind of flatness and predictability, um, which is maybe comforting to, to artists who want to hear the same album over and over and have that, that reassurance of knowing what's going to happen next in the song before they even get to that part of the song. Um, but, but that's not enough. That's not enough for you. You want that, that strangeness and those unexpected turns, those you almost, you, you want to surprise yourself as much as, as you want to surprise the listener. I'm sad as a truck. I'm sad as a truck. just excites me you know um it's like something like fresh water or cold water on, on a hot day you know it's just like yeah let's do this um <laughs> finally something happened um it, it yeah it's it's tough to explain it you know has the process gotten any less mysterious uh, the longer you've done this well I've, you know like uh, that Mookie Pookie album, which is my third record, um, I felt like I was working within definitely a theme of a rock and roll legacy. And then, uh, so that was constraining it a little bit, even though there were, you know, um, like a Sepultura track on there, kind of, mm-hmm. and uh, and the George Harrison track. <laughs> yeah. Um but in in a way, I felt I was constraining myself a lot. And then I did my album number four was an Icelandic album, which um, I kind of the theme on that album was to say to hell with that monkey. Uh, and the only theme was drop the pretentiousness because sometimes uh, be, by, you know, constantly wanting to surprise yourself, you you become a little bit pretentious and. I felt, you know, I had to try to go the other way. So that was a, a bit of a challenge uh, working on that album. And it turned out very mellow, heart, like uh, has a huge heart in it. Uh, it's in Icelandic, so you <laughs> you won't understand for a few years at least. But, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll learn it eventually. Yeah, but that was um, uh, an experiment that I'm, I'm really pleased with. And then on my fifth album... Uh, I was working a lot with old instruments, but in in a kind of uh, my own context. So there are restrictions, uh, but and so my working, my my progress of working, um, 
you know, I think my the first change in my life uh, was when I had the the kids or my firstborn, uh, because then you have to uh, you know work in discipline. Before that, you're like a student or a, a youngster. You know, you, you know, you can say whatever. You know, wake, be wake up all night and work on stuff or sleep. Yeah, I mean, you were you were just sleeping on friends' couches, uh, hopping around London, uh, making. Was it was it Lonely Mountain that that you were recording in in friends' yeah. houses while they were away on holidays? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was like I either had to uh, pay rent. Or by a sound card, and it was the first sound card for laptops. This is for most people listening, uh, like Stone Age. Yeah, you know, it's ages ago. <laughs> and not Queens of, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, so, I, you know, I did make that decision to buy a sound card and have no money, uh, and do the record and just sleep sleep on couches for a few months. Uh, and same with Muki Mama, you know, I, I did. The al- most of the album before my oldest son was born, uh, just in the church here in Sudavik, in abundant houses in Isafjörður, which is a local town also, and in some parts of Reykjavik. And it was all, um, you know, very random. You know, it was just random chaos most of the time. Uh, no plans really, apart from just making it work and, you know, doing it. But then when when um, when Diri arrived, you know, you're forced to wake up in the morning and and, you know, mo- most parents will know this, you know, waking up in the night and it's uh, added, kind of, you know, yeah. it, life takes a, a funny structure uh, to begin with. And um, I think that that helped me out a lot, actually, just to, uh, you know, eight o'clock. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> you snap the suspenders and uh, and and you're off to work. Yeah, and I and it, I was afraid, you know, uh, uh, it wouldn't work for me, but it really did me good. So, are you are you a perfectionist? Because those early records were were such lo-fi experiments, and you were just starting to to kind of find your voice. And uh, did you really labor over over the sound of those and? Um, do you struggle with perfectionism? Um, I definitely do um, in some areas, and then I'm very careless in others. Talk to uh, me about the difference between those two. I'm interested in that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, for example, a song uh, you were requesting, I Want You. Yeah, um, requesting just for context... Uh, Mugison, I I wanted him to provide the theme music for this podcast uh, just because his music is such an inspiration, and uh, so he's uh, he wasn't too offended when, or you weren't weren't too offended when I asked you to take your voice out of the mix. Um, no, <laughs> just as I'm talking, you start singing. It could be a bit of a wrestling match. Uh, but, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. It's just an honor. It's, yeah. it's great. Thank you. Now, yeah. So, so that song, for example. Um, I remember doing the basic stuff on a bass guitar, like that. That's how I, I wrote the song, um, the bass lines, and then I, I moved on to the acoustic guitar, and I felt like it was so uninteresting. I like I liked everything about it. I liked the melody. I liked liked stuff in it, but it was just like the the acoustic thing was just so normal. It was, 
you know, it's like like old bread, you know, it's just uh, like yeah. not not suited for humans. And uh, uh, so I labored quite a lot. Uh, I recorded s- several takes, and then I was probably cutting up, uh, like manipulating it in, um, for a few days until I stumbled upon like uh, a section that I really liked, where it goes back and forth- forward and. It's kind of funky. You, you can't really tell. It's manipulated. Maybe like my mom probably wouldn't think. Oh, this is electronic music. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it, it's it's. Uh, I was like ah, you know. And I feel like sometimes that's my artistry. You know, these tiny little details that are really hidden away, and nobody thinks about them. But it's the essence of the song for me. And then um, I remember recording the drums. Uh, and I really wanted those John Bonham kind of virtuoso drums, but I I only had one microphone. So uh, uh, I had a friend coming over to play the drums, and I just recorded a bunch of him going crazy, and I followed followed him around. So it's just like uh, when he played the snare, my mic was over the snare, and then I would, uh, if he does breaks, I would just follow him. You so you know, were holding like, the mic and just pointing it yeah, yeah, wherever yeah. you felt uh, inspired to point it. Exactly. And I felt that was, it was uh, fun. Uh, but it was a lot of work doing that, uh, you know, especially the chorus. And I think you, if no human can probably play it for real because, like, the hi-hats are too crazy you know, and then you gotta go to the toms so quickly. It, I think it's not humanly possible, but um, people, I don't think uh, that's manipulated. But it's it was probably again a week's worth of editing, uh, just the drums. Uh, wow! So you, you sort know, of built the song in in that in that post uh, kind of uh, mode of operation. Yeah, yeah, and and that's like even though I had the basic structure, the chord changes, the melody, everything really, you know what what makes a song. It wasn't exciting until I had those two elements in it. You know the the funky kind of manipulative guitar and what I felt was appropriate drums. And then I was like, all right, and then the rest is probably really. You know, like uh, I just did two takes of the of the of the singing. I, I I scrambled some words on paper. Most of it is stream of consciousness, and you know that's probably my lazy part. Then in that song, it's like, ah, uh, yeah, it felt honest. It felt good. It was appropriate, um, and then the song was finished. You know, it probably all in all, it's just like three weeks. So uh, if the proportion is the guitar, nearly a week. The drums nearly a week, and then the rest week, which is, uh, you know, yeah. Well, there's nothing about that's. It's interesting that you would use the word lazy because there's, it 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 feels so crafted um, and so tight that, yeah, you don't you don't get a sense of. I think in some of the other songs you get this really ramshackle, um, like the opening track on Moogie Boogie, uh, right, where it's just rolling and uh, you know. It feels like it's all just recorded there live in the room, uh, mm-hmm. and has that has that immediacy. Uh, it's it seems like you've just eased into that and, and relaxed into that really live sound. Um, yeah, maybe that there's a sort of letting go in that as well. Definitely, and like like that song Mookie Bookie, 
Uh, I had done few other versions which were um, more acoustic. Uh, had the same riff. M most things were the same, but it was just more acoustic. Uh, so, uh, and I, w I had been playing it with a band for a while. So, uh, at some point it just... It, it kind of made itself so uh, for for me i sometimes need to be patient you know L let them it, it's like the song works on itself sometimes yeah. you know yeah so i mean icelandic music it's i mean in terms of it's so d diverse so it's it seems even strange to use a a phrase like icelandic music but just because it's um it's so it's so different depending on on the artist but uh, there's this perception that's built up and probably in large part just because of of how adventurous uh, Bjork has been in in her music mm -hmm. uh that it's that it's just this this weird it's almost like a kind of competition to see who can make the strangest music um and i was wondering if that ever sort of gets into your head this this feeling of of i need to to be more interesting than the artist down the street or you know in the next fjord over uh, just because there are so many people pushing the boundaries um, in the music scene there. Yeah, there, there's definitely that. Um, I feel like it's it's kind of a healthy competition, a weird competition. Um, you know, there, uh, it, sometimes it, it'll go to the de a de degree of, you know, the, the annoying kid screaming, look at me, look at me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But um, you do scream in your music, but not that exact <laughs> lyric. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think Björk is like, like you know, if not one, like oh, definitely the biggest influence in my my music by far. Yeah. Um, not only musically, but mentally, I think. Um, just growing up listening to her reading interviews with her and her friends also uh, like the the sugar cube gang uh all of them which is a band she was in prior to her uh, solo career yeah of course um all the characters in that band were uh, heroes of mine like uh, einarer the guy who's i don't know if you call it rapping but he's kind of um talking yeah. next to Björk uh his whole ideology changed me forever and um and the drummer tell me how before we move on tell me how that's such a that's such a an homage to to the man so tell me well, tell me it, how it changed you well his spirit is like he's in a film uh, called uh rock i reykjavik rock and roll in reykjavik uh which was done early 80s i think and um, uh, in this movie, he does an ama amazing job, like uh, performances. But uh, he's in in an interview. He says, "It doesn't matter what you uh, can; it's what you do." You know, so yeah. you, it's just like rule number one: do it. You know, don't don't wait or or second. Uh, don't doubt anything. You know. Mm -hmm. You're cool if you just do it. Um, and I thought it was such a liberating expression, you know. Uh, it was just... It turned my world upside down. Like, if I was thinking, ah, maybe I'll, I'll learn guitar, or 
maybe uh, you know you, you have a natural kind of way of thinking about things or careers yeah and uh, and it just swift everything away it was like no i'm just gonna do it um and i remember like uh later when i was in london studying in in a to like a degree in recording arts recording music uh we we were assigned this this thing we're supposed to do a plan where we would be in few years and we were there with uh people from many nationalities but we're two guys from iceland in that class yeah because you met biggie there didn't you yeah yeah and and uh we sat in the uh in seats way way in the back end of the room uh, so we were kind of the last guys to stand up. So you're supposed to stand up and tell, like, briefly what you were going to do. And, you know, the first guy stood up. He said, well, I'm going to be a tea boy, which is a guy who helps out in the studio. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, be an assistant to the assistant engineer. And then I'm going to be an assistant. And then I'm going to be an, uh, uh, the engineer. And then I'm going to be the first engineer. And then... <laughs> Uh, in ten years' time, if I'm lucky, I'll be a producer, and and then another pe- another folks would go, you know, similar thing, but maybe more focused on becoming a respected artist or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I I stood up and said, well, I think in in one year or less, maybe right away when I graduate, I will have an album ready, and I will just release it. If I don't find a label, I'll just release it myself. I don't care. I'm going to finish, finish an album. And Biggie stood up and he said, well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to buy a studio. So the, uh, this question doesn't really apply to me. <laughs> Amazing. And that's what he did. He bought the Zero Studio. And, you know, a year later, once he graduated. Wow. So I, I think this uh, is a lot to... Uh, to um, refers to Einarer and the sugar cube guy, you know. It's just, it doesn't matter, you know, what you know. It's just do it, you know. But there's something, and we, and we spoke about this um, so back in 2005 when I came over there, mm-hmm. that there is, there is something about the, the Icelandic mentality, this, this idea of we're on an island, uh, we know there are other countries and other, other people out there and we can... You know, and on the so there was a, mili- a U.S. military base there, and and there was um, a radio station that would broadcast. So you had these American sounds mm-hmm. um, that were very much a part of the consciousness of of people growing up uh, in Iceland and older generation uh, during mm-hmm. World War II. Um, and yet, there's this sense of aloneness. Um, and almost this loneliness and and we're going to sing to ourselves and we're going to create our own songs and and it doesn't really matter what other people think of those songs um is that is that true is that is that the way it feels yeah definitely you know it's um you know maybe maybe it's changed a little bit in the last 10 years cuz um now artists have the world you know uh, it's probably getting the same as in most places but there is still that mentality though that like bef- before uh, you weren't conquering the world you're just conquering yourself at hmm. best hmm. 
um, and maybe you'd impress your local village or, or the next village if you're doing artist or like writing or, or, or doing music. And I feel like um, it's the same, you know, in engineering or something. Like you have all these stories of, of men and women doing funny artist thingies locally, you know, uh, the way they do sweaters or or way they fix their um, their gear on the farm, you know, modify them and make mm. them better, whatever. But it was never with the ambition of of then uh, getting uh, a, what what you call it, um, uh, like where you own the right to that. I oh, write a trademark or a, yeah, yeah, so. y- yeah. They were never like like you'd think in most other countries in the world. You'd probably oh, I'm gonna trademark that idea and get rich on it. Yeah. Uh, I think in music literature and and, uh, and a, in a lot of ways the whole society was just like now I'm just uh, doing this for me it, 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 it'll make my life a little bit better and hmm. of course well it's because the art hasn't I mean that's that is you're describing art in its in its purest form which is uh, it's cave drawing it's you know it's it's something that just makes life a bit lighter um like brings some color into it, and uh, you you were telling me stories about uh, old women who would work in I think in some of the fish factories or maybe canning fish, uh, and they would just be you know reciting sort of these these long sort of limericks maybe just these filthy limericks that just go on for you know twenty minutes at a time. Uh, they just have the the world of imagination and the world of of kind of song and that and that playfulness uh, just opened them up, kind of took them out of those somewhat mundane circumstances. Yeah, definitely, and and there's a sense of pride in it. You know, it's like, uh, um, well, my auntie, the one who inspired uh, well, the song I was referring to earlier, uh, my old auntie, which I used to work on a, on, a, on her farm. Um, she she would recite verses and verses, and she'd make her own, and then she'd make verses in the style of something very familiar. Uh, and and you know, also when I was a sailor, there was a guy who was constantly doing kind of a dirty jokes kind of a limerick. Um, and it's 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 just an expression, you know. It's like hey, it's same as telling a joke or. Or uh, or a fairy tale, you know, it's exciting, and you, you capture a room, and and yeah. you know, you're, you're the man or, or a woman, you know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's it's that thing. I mean, there's an irreverence in your music, um, and I I remember the first time I listened to to Moogie Mama, I think in is it in the in the chicken song where where you say I'm not a vegetarian, but I love sitting on the grass. I don't like those thongs, but I love tits and ass. And yeah. It, it's just such it took, just took me aback so much because in in American music or you know or European music um like you just you just wouldn't write that lyric or you'd write that lyric in the in the margin of of the page just as as a joke and you'd sort of you know smile but you wouldn't record it right uh, and yet you just go straight in there um uh, just with this really kind of cheeky sarcastic 
kind of smirk almost like sort of you know mooning somebody um and just shake <laughs> you know shaking your arse uh yeah, a little yeah. bit and, and just for a laugh uh i mean what uh like i mean talk to me about that that impulse to to let that kind of that sentiment that um could just bring a really judgmental eye on you and and just putting it out there into the world and and not really giving a shit well uh, it's uh it's just my sad sense of humor i guess it's just <laughs> i thought it was ridiculously funny um and runa my wife thought it was funny so that equals brilliant uh, <laughs> want me to be intellectual yeah be intellectual baby I'm not a vegetarian but I like sitting in the grass don't like them thongs but I love tits and ass oh, oh, oh. What watch yourself <laughs> well there is a thing in me I, 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 I don't know the uh English word for it um, but it's like a mentality where if somebody says one thing you have to go against it yeah um, being a contrarian yeah contrarian so there is an element of that in me like there's a song called Swing Ding where a friend of mine is just uh, doing this weird rock and roll kind of a yeah, chant yeah, and I remember I, yeah and, and barping a little bit Rock, doing yeah, it was yeah, just weird. Yeah. It's just plain, plain weird. It's like we're stoned or something, which we were not. It was just having <laughs> fun. Uh, but um, I remember, as a joke, I put it on the on the on a kind of a playlist when I was like playing stuff for Runa and Piggy and my few of my friends. It's like this is the album Mookie Mama, and and all of them said, "I oh, you can't put that swing ding song on. It's just." four minutes of 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 kind of barping it's just it's just not cool you know it's it'll, it'll, yeah and and i i i think i was not gonna put it on the album really but because of that reaction i was like nobody's gonna tell me what to do <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> and you know the label and stuff it was like no 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 it's a very important track on there but it was it's more like anti-kaufman kind of thing you know it's mm-hmm. just like I, I like it. It's, it's <laughs> I find the the weird the weird kind of ugliness of it just so disarming um yeah. because it's just showing I, I feel like with with music there's such a or with social media, you know, whatever kind of version of expression you're talking about there's such an impulse. And I think this goes back to that idea of perfection and that flatness to just open up the narrowest crack in the door of in terms of showing people our lives, showing people our inner lives, who we are. And and by putting that little burping kind of just bit of like messing uh, on the record, you just crack that door open another inch because you showed another part of, of life. And, and there is something creative in, in that that's um, maybe not as respectable, uh, but it's it's just as creative as as the song you know before it and the, and the song after it yeah yeah i don't know it's i love you know it's a funny like also um 
there is like th- th- that line with uh, sitting in the grass joke, yeah, um, and Tetsuna's joke. It was um, it's like uh, like I've got friends that are vegetarians, and I remember back then, uh, oh, it's and I, I'm not a vegetarian, and it's sometimes those discussions. Uh, even though they're not close to my heart, it will turn. It would turn like into a religious uh, talk. You know. Hmm. Um, How and so? Are, t- like, tell me about one of those conversations, if you recall uh-huh. one in particular. So um, now it's like uh, you know, maybe, maybe maybe we're drinking or something, and then then uh, some somebody would ask me like, why 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 are you um, eating meat? And I was like, ah, I've never never thought about it. That's so. Um, that's so, you know, it's so irresponsible. You know what you're doing to the world. And I was like, I don't know. What, what am I doing to the world? And, they, and then they tell me, you know, we, we're not supposed to eat meat or whatever theory they're prone to. And and it's all good and right. And mm. then I would say, well, I'm, I'm just not there, you know. I'm, you're, uh, open to, you're open to the idea, but yeah, it's but, just not but, exactly uh, where you are at that moment. Yeah, and that would trigger people, you know, just like you talk badly about Jesus in some some neighborhoods, you know. It's like don't do, don't say that. It's so or irresponsible, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Talk to me about Jesus because your music has a has a very interesting relationship with Jesus and with religion and with this this kind of haunted haunted quality. Uh, were you were you raised in in any kind of uh, religion yourself? Well, there is this. I would say I was, uh, in general there is mysticism. You know, we were supposedly we were raised as. Uh, Lutheran, mm. um, and there is some 
you know, you know, when I was a kid, you learned in school and stuff. They've they've taken it out now um, to modernize the school, but um, yeah, but there was a little bit of religion, and I I, be, I had what we locally called the 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 belief of a child, you know, or a childish belief. Um, and so I was for a long time, even as a young adult, I was just scared, you know, God. <laughs> I was probably closer to a Catholic than anything else, you know. Really? Just, uh, I, yeah, but I, I say that as a joke because I, I have no idea what a Catholic is apart from some movies. <laughs> uh, but I, I remember, like, as a young, like, I don't know, 17, 18, I, was re- I read the Bible just out of curiosity. Uh, uh, I read some Buddhism and, uh, I don't know, like, um, just to barely be able to talk about religion over a cup of coffee yeah um with friends and and i, I you know i had some i had an uncle who was uh i have an uncle who is a strong believer uh, a few of my f- friends are really strong um believers in in different things mm-hmm. um so i, I really uh, you know this this um this search of 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 the answer it is really fascinating, you know. But I, I, I feel I, uh, my point of view is pretty much similar to my point of view of a vegetarian or like being a veggie. Um, it's like I, I'm just confused. I don't know, <laughs> you know, um, you know, science, you know, science or whatever. You know, you always get to the same kind of narrow point of view. You know, there's what what made the black hole, what made, you know, what made God or... Right, uh, some of those know, brute I, facts, yeah. Yeah, so it's... Uh, but I feel there's definitely something out there, you know, it's just like... Uh, or, or something that our senses, um, physical senses, aren't picking up on, you know. Uh, I think part of music is magic, you know, you can't see it, but... It, it it can alter your emotions or or, or your physical health, hmm. you know, and um, colors or the warmth and, and grass and the ocean. I'm, I'm a big believer in nature and uh, you know uh, uh, just putting a, a finger in the grass in the summertime or putting the finger in snow like like today. You know, you can sense life. Yeah. On, on on a different level, and I feel like it's a spiritual level. It's not only a physical level. Um, but I have no idea, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm fascinated by it all, you know. Yeah, I was curious about that because I, I wondered if you had any um, any sort of ill feeling towards uh, religion, or no, uh, or if there was any kind of uh, response to. The authoritarianism of of a lot of religious practice, obviously not all of it, because there's such a plurality. But um, you you don't like being told what to do, uh, and yet your religion makes uh, something of a business out of of telling people how to think and how to behave. And and so I was curious to to see if you reacted negatively to that aspect of it. No, I, I kind of like. Because uh, religion um, uh, has a great deal of f- philosophy in it, yeah, and um, 
I like that. You know, I, yeah, and I, I have a great respect for religion. I mean, talk to me about the. You you were describing that sense of of having your senses alive to to nature and to the world and uh, grass and snow and and these these sorts of things. Um, and I've I've been to Suthavik a couple times and. I know how close to the edge of the world uh, that place feels because you're just there a few steps from from the water, from the inlet, there in the fjord, and uh, it that sense of wilderness of of being in the West Fjords, um, it's so different from being in the city, uh, and so I was I was curious, kind of how you felt about that idea of wilderness um, and and what it means for you as a person and just kind of completing who you are to, to be that, that close to the edge <laughs> geographically or maybe yeah, other yeah. ways as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it suits me really well. Um, I think maybe not only the nature, which is definitely a, an added bonus, um, but also the, like we live in a village of 130 people and we've got two kids and it just makes life uh and runa's mom my wife's mom lives next door so it just makes life so much easier for us um you know just practicality wise it's uh it's really good for me as um as a guy who makes music at home uh in the garage where i have a really nice setup but still it's just you know my home and uh you know my my two guys they can can come in uh and go out and and you know I, and i just have to step out the door and scream dinner uh and they they'll come in in 5 minutes or so they uh, you know it'll echo in the bay hmm. and uh and it just makes i think the practicality of it is my first kind of um reason because uh, I, I just get more time doing stuff and I get as a result I get more time with them uh, because uh, one reason is it's cheaper to live here compared to any city uh, so I, I don't need to make as much money and you know to make if, if you have to make a lot of money that just means you have to work a lot uh, real jobs and that means you you know you get you don't get to spend time with family and um so i think it's such a luxury you know those two um the the practicalities of having a family here and 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 kind of the increase of time because we don't have to drive anywhere to pick somewhere somebody up or deliver them somewhere yeah um, and um i mean you have you have this huge personality and and uh, you know, I've seen you interact with people, and you have so much time for for everybody. Um, does living in 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 that village does it feel does it ever feel small to you? Does that ever go from feeling like some uh, this freedom that you've just described to to feeling constrictive or or enclosing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, you know, I'm lucky because I'll go away for gigs and and come back. Uh, so I've got the luxury of of both. I think, yeah. It, it when I stay here for 
I don't know, four weeks or more at the time, it, it'll drive me nuts, you yeah. know, a little bit. Um, and we tried to consciously go away on, on like weekend holidays just to, uh, you know, see other people and go to, you know, or, you know, to relatives or friends and, you know, go to Reykjavik or somewhere else and, um, you know, because we love the city too, you know, it's not like, you know, yeah, uh, this isn't paradise. And I, I don't <laughs> think a- any place is a paradise, really. You know, no. just um, there are good things and bad things, and sometimes the the good things are bad and the bad are good. You know, it's just depends how you look at it. Mm. Well, I, I, you know, we've been we've been talking for a while now, and I I want to maybe wrap up talking about the uh, Aldrey for Egsuder uh, festival. Is that still going on? Yeah, 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 this yeah. Is, this is the festival you started with, uh, with Papa Moog, uh, your your dad, uh, just there in Isafurther, um, where you'd have the barber get up on stage and play the harmonica, and then a, or the saxophone, and then a death metal band would come on, and then the high local high school choir would get on and, and sing, and it didn't matter how talented you were, you could be a world class, you know, four AD recording artist or or just somebody in the local local jazz band. Uh, and I loved that, uh, that sort of equality of, of opportunity and just celebrating it, that there was no, um, there wasn't somebody checking your talent, uh, mm-hmm. sort of certification, you know, at the, at the apron of the stage before you got up there. Uh, it was just all about celebrating the joy of that. And so I just wanted to hear how that's, how that's developed and, and, yeah, and where and where it's where it's gone from from the early stages. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's pretty much the same, apart from the fact that now we pay everybody. Um, That's always nice. For, yeah, we, we we've been doing that now for I think four or five years, and because uh, the original concept was a really a bitter, uh, it, it it the the festival was born out of a very bitter. Uh, circumstances uh, and and humorous I think because I was playing a festival in London and I was definitely the smallest act on the bill and uh, my father when I told my father hey I'm, I'm going to London and I think you know things are gonna happen and he was like uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna witness this and he bought a plane ticket for him and his wife, and me and Runa went to London. And then when we show up, we, we noticed that my my name is like the smallest font possible. It's nearly not on the poster. Hmm. And, yeah. and that was like a disappointment, you know, being there with your dad, you know. It's like, ah, yeah, maybe, you know, I, I won't wake up tomorrow as a star, you know. And, and then... Um, hmm. Uh, we, there, I had no backstage, so that cause that was kind of a bummer because everybody else had backstage, and we, and we, I only got like two or three uh, or four beer kind of tickets to go to the bar, and I was playing like I had no sound check or whatever. So we did this manifesto of like uh, the horrible festival. This was yeah, this was the Rough Trade Festival, which is you know prestigious, yeah. <laughs> prestigious kind of thing, and yeah. So it's yeah, that's a jarring experience 
Yeah, I played that festival and it was it was great, you know, playing there. Um, but it was just like being there with my dad and stuff. Um, and then we wrote that down on a napkin, just like the manifesto, and and it was all kind of turned upside down. So nobody gets a, a sound check, nobody gets a backstage. Everybody gets, you know, the amount of beer they want. Um, and you know, a lot of like better rules. And then uh, we decided it would be best to do this festival in Isafjord because nobody can really go there over Easter because n- normally the airplanes, they, it's too bad weather. Okay, they're uh, not flying, right? They, they, yeah, they're not flying regularly at least. So nobody can really plan to come to the festival if if they're, you know, normal people. Um so that was kind of a bitter joke. And then we uh, met this amazing guy, a friend of mine, Ragnar Kjartansson, uh, who was the singer in Trapant, but is now uh, a really known artist. Um, he thought it was brilliant, and he kind of invited a lot of the current scene in Reykjavik at the time, just in during one night in a bar because they were all there you know Gus yeah. Gus Sigurus everybody yeah and uh, so that and, and so it worked out just because of his amazing energy and him liking our bitter joke <laughs> but then uh, and then me and my dad kind of got stuck with the festival and now we're doing it I think for the 15th year and the only thing that you know we mix because he he supplied all the big stars so we found the local barber and, uh, uh, you know, just <laughs> normal people. You know, if, if we heard they knew how to play the inst- some kind of instrument, then uh, we'd put them on next to, you know, Guskus. Yeah, yeah, and they get to put that on their, their LinkedIn profile that they, op- you know, they opened <laughs> for these bands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, but it's pretty much the same now. But it's more, uh, it's always been a community driven, I would think. And that's not my kind of doing. It just, we got uh, great people doing this with us. Um, so it's all the volunteer work and, and everybody who gains off the festival, you know, it's just uh, the, uh, like security is the local parenthood uh, community. Uh, and then uh, rescue teams will get whatever. And uh, uh, I mean uh, that that's so much like the the way that you even produce, you know the 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 CD packaging that you've done for your albums, and you know is just getting your family together and um, breaking a few sewing machines, you know, stitching together thirty thousand uh, you know copies of of an album. It's a community. Yeah. It's a village, uh, village enterprise, and it's it's also a selfish thing because I feel um, uh, coming back maybe to a little bit to the perfection kind of thing or or work ethic. Uh, I feel if if I don't include family and friends in my work, I won't see them at all. So I try to only work with family and friends. You know, it's because um, you have to be you know busy. And like this summer, me and the family, I did nearly 40 concerts. We did two circles around Iceland. Wow. Uh, just me, Runa, and our two boys in a, in, a, in a van we converted this summer. 
and it was great because we've been talking about this for years to travel the country all together you know and kind of you know camping yeah but it was like ah you know how to do it and then it's like yeah I'll, I'll buy a van and then uh, i'll play four gigs a night in the in the weirdest um places i can find and the, only the smallest villages or not even villages just just some huts you know or or you know <laughs> just weird places i mean tell me about the weirdest places to, that you've ever played in iceland on the on this sort of this sort of tour um well, I played on a few farms, which was like abundant farms, which were was really interesting. I played in a in a f- old factory that that works with cement to, to do tiles, and and some you know cement kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably good acoustics that, in there. Yeah, and then like a repair shop was really good. Really, like this uh, lovely lady wanted me to come because uh, I I put on Facebook, uh, you know, a kind of a description what I wanted to do and if people could, you know, tell me about interesting places, and all of these people contacted me th- through Facebook, and so it was easy to spot uh, the interesting ones out, and this one lady made me play in her grandpa's kind of repair like car repair shop yeah um which hadn't been open for 20 years uh, and she had just gotten uh stools like random stools from friends and family you know four of this kind four of that kind <laughs> you know and and uh, then her dad which had a fetish for doors okay uh, he, he collects uh abundant doors uh, which I was uh, like, that's a topic, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think there's a, the, there's a metaphor there somewhere, I don't know. Yeah, and, and he made a brilliant um, backdrop just with doors and lights. And then in that shop and, and all the run, like chairs not belonging together and, and the dirt everywhere. Uh, it was just, it was probably one of the nicest, you know, it's just like when you, when you play in such a, environment you know half of the gig is just there you know yeah you you know you're you're already um you know on your way you know it's you don't have to win anybody over it's just we're all glad we're experiencing this here it's like going on a spaceship it's like (laughs) you know nobody cares if you find any photographs of that of that gig send them to me i'll put them on the on the page with the the podcast sure Um, remind me if i forget i will no it's fine uh, it sounds it sounds amazing. I love bringing music. The idea of bringing music into those spaces because we we say this building is is for music. Like this is the concert hall. This is the you know the the place where the gig happens. And there's this this new movement of of people who are middle class musicians. Hold on. Yeah. No. No problem. Sorry, yeah, uh, spaces, no, music. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. just bringing music into into places where it can soak into the walls of of places that maybe don't uh, get to soak in music very often. Uh, I love that. Yeah, I love it too. It, 
you know, if 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 there was an option, you know, <laughs> that that'd be the way to go. Amazing. Well, it's it's been such a pleasure to to catch up with you. I just, in, in terms of just letting things soak into things, that's that's just sort of the image that uh, that I want to have as as we wrap up the conversation here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's beautiful, and I and I love. Was that Runa that just that came in there? No, it was uh, my older kid Diri. Okay. He, he, he always has to say goodbye. Oh no, goodbye, good night. <laughs> he was seven months old when uh, when I came to interview you. He was. Yeah. And he was no, very, he was very sick, as I recall. He had a he had a really bad fever. Um, oh. At that time, it was it was. He's a poor guy, um, but <laughs> I lo- I love that he can just pop out into the studio and. Are you sitting out in the studio there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So describe yeah. a. See, one of the things that when I was, when I used to do phone interviews when I was when I was working at, um, in for the music magazine and then later for a video game magazine, I, I would always ask people to describe their surroundings, because um, I feel like uh, you can be so disembodied when you're listening to something, in your earphones, and so I'd, um, I'd love you to just describe in as much detail as you like. Um, where you're sitting and and sort of what your surroundings are like. Yeah, so so this used to be at the garage. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but um, yeah, the place where you keep the car <laughs> uh, or but, your guitar in your case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I was so lucky that the guy who built it he made it ridiculously tall. So uh, the the sides of it are. Um, at least four meters, and then it goes into a V-shaped top. So it's probably five and a half, six meters to the top, really. It's really tall, hmm. which 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 is great when you're working for a long period of time. To you know, you get more air, and you know, it's it's really cool. And then uh, I removed the door in the front and put a big window, so I I, I overlook the whole fjord. So it's just like the mountain and the Bay Area and, uh, you know, the trees. It's so beautiful. It's really good, especially when I'm stuck on something, just to look out and you see a small boat sailing by or something. Yeah. And then uh, one of the smartest thing I've done is put the um, all that generates electric noise in a sound shield compartment. So all converters and stuff like that or hard drives are sealed away. So you really get it's really quiet in here, you know. You don't get that computer, zzz, which yeah, all that hum and the white noise. Yeah, and then I just have um, I got a drum kit, I got a, a bookshelf with a lot of books and records, and then um, probably I don't know, ten, twelve guitars, a ridiculous amount of synthesizer. I've turned into a bit of a synth freak. Uh, okay, uh, preamps. Uh, Lovely microphones, and uh, there's a sofa and, and a kind of um, area where uh, you know you can drink and uh, I don't smoke usually, but it's nice once in a while to uh, if if I have a friend coming over who, who smokes, one of my neighbors, then then we have a, a Winston together, uh, and then I have a small drum booth or or, or like isolated booth where I can record. If I want want stuff isolated, but I haven't really used it for ages now. I just like this room. 
And so are you doing all of, are all of the records being recorded there? Or are you using yeah. some conventional studios in most, addition? Most is recorded here. I'll get musicians to come and I find they focus a lot when they come over. Uh, instead of just dropping into a session, they have to stay for one or two days. Uh, so uh, it's just such a good time, you know. Yeah. And then, because people have so many engagements, um, but I, I still, I, I still regularly go to the biggest place in the swimming pool, uh, and usually that's for a bigger sessions, and uh, to mix, mix and master. Yeah. Mm. So there's always at least a month with Biggie. Yeah, I remember in the in the control room there at that at Sundlagen there were there were all these small tiny nail holes in the floor. Um, that I guess when it was a textile uh, mm. factory, they would stretch out the hides um, to cure them, and they would and they would nail them, stretch them out, and then nail them into the floor. and And so it looked like a like a horde of woodpeckers had just descended, and and the floor was still <laughs> like that. They didn't. Uh, thankfully, you know, they didn't sand it over or or try to try to clean it up and I, I think that just was such a to me that was just a really inspiring yeah, that's beautiful part of that space yeah I love that space and and that kind of stuff yeah yeah that's a texture it's like that is that is life um and I think that's what to me anyway that's what it feels like you're doing in your music is just leaving those those holes in it leaving that texture uh and and just you know letting that that beauty uh kind of come through in what you're making so uh i hope in that uh, in that studio where you're sitting that that you're able to to make a lot more music there and i look forward to hearing it it is calm in the night i see the sun and so bright side by side in the sun I feel at ease like I don't need to breathe I'm Can I ask you a question? Of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> I've, so I've, could, been, could you I've des- been monopolizing the uh, the conversation no. here. No, 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 no. Because I, I, I always want to learn uh, learn stuff. So I, and, I, and you've been writing a lot, and um, so I was just curious um, when you're working, do you work on one thing, or do you have things to fall on to when you get stuck, or do you have to 
like drill the tunnel until you finish that one thing? <laughs> so I tend to get very tunnel visioned, um, but but recently I've I've started bouncing around a lot more um, because I I've partly kind of inspired by the by your example. Um, I've I decided that I wanted to publish the book that I'm writing, Perfect. I wanted to publish that myself instead of just trying to shop it around and and wait for somebody to say that it was good enough for them to to publish. Uh, I wanted to be able to create every aspect of it and and what it looked like and what it felt like. Uh, and so I started building this publishing company to to go along with that. Um, it just it was almost like this little this little side note that you know I just thought oh I'll just you know create a little almost like a little fake you know label and maybe design a little logo and just as a little pretend you know publishing company and then release it that way and then I I just found that I enjoyed thinking about you know what that little pretend publishing company would look like almost like a a child like when I was first starting to learn the guitar my friend and I we were about 12 years old we would sit out on a electrical junction box um, outside of his his house. This is when I was living in Florida, uh, and we would just talk about the you know the tours we were going to go on and what we would when we became rock stars, what we were going to change our names to, uh, <laughs> and just have these these long conversations about these imaginary kinds of things. And and so I felt like I was doing that as an adult, just thinking about this kind of imaginary publish, publishing company, and then. I realized um, very slowly and bit by bit that I didn't have to to be the the person in that recording class that you were talking about who whose you know five year plan is to become the assistant to the assistant to the assistant uh, you know recording engineer, um, but that I could I could just make this thing and so I've been I've been a little bit more distracted uh, doing different things and then I thought, gosh, these artists because the part of the inspiration is the book is just to offer a, a huge thank you. You know, you were talking about, was it Aner in the sugar cubes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sense of thankfulness and gratitude that you feel right. to him. Uh, I feel that to you uh, and to so many other artists uh -huh. that I've interviewed over the years um, yeah. or authors whose books I've read and have steered me and just given me a little nudge uh, in a in a different direction and and set me on a better path, and so I wanted to write this book that that just celebrated all of that you know, that inspiration and 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 allowed me a chance to to say thank you to those different artists and authors and filmmakers and video game designers, uh, and so I mean that's where the podcast kind of sprang out of. I just thought it would be so fun to catch up with these people again. I you know I thought as I was writing. You know, there are a couple chapters in the in the book about going to Iceland and and interviewing you and and listening to your music and and thinking about kind of what it means to chart your own course and and all of these things and it just seemed like such a selfish kind of thing to create an excuse to just have conversations you know to close the gap of you know that that space of time since the last time we spoke and uh and and then share it with some people. Um, and, but really it's, you know, selfishly it's, it's for me kind of first and foremost, but 
<laughs> just the pure pleasure of it, of, of having an excuse to have that conversation. Uh, but yeah, so I, I find that it's shifting that attention around and just changing. It almost feels like, uh, you know, we were talk, talking about sort of going from tour to, you know, or down to Reykjavik to rehearse for shows and then coming back to Suthavik and just changing that scenery. I feel like um, by, you know, do it, spending a morning, you know, waking up at five o'clock and working on the publishing company and just thinking about what that could be. And then another morning working on, you know, putting together show notes for this podcast and then another morning writing a chapter of the book. It just feels like even though I'm sitting in the same office, I can I can just change that scenery and, and right. feel like I'm in a different place uh, mentally. And and I find that really refreshing. Um, so I haven't been as uh, as maniacally single minded and maybe the book will take a little longer to finish. Uh, I've got a few chapters left to write, but um, I think I'll be more inspired uh, writing those chapters than I would be you know, if I had just forced myself, you know, like uh, like my own sort of slave driver taskmaster. Yeah, the, yeah. Whole, the whole book is about getting away from slave drivers and right. uh, and whips and uh, and just you know just allowing myself to be okay with um, with the state of things. Right. So that's uh, that's kind of the long answer. Do you like um, like when I get stuck in something? <clears throat> like if if I have no ideas for lyrics. I'll I'll record like and and I know many people do this. It's just like I'll I'll do the the pretend language, you know. Oh yeah. You know, you know whatever, and then I'll record that and listen to it over and over again. And then at some point, you sense a word in it. Because you, you maybe I'm listening to it for half an hour or forty minutes in a loop. Right. So you feel there's a word somewhere, and then you use that word as a starting point. Is there something like when you get stuck? That's really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I I think the way that I used to write was I was just constantly stuck, uh, just all the time, just uh, forever stuck uh, because I was so, I was so, so worried about something coming out imperfectly uh, that I almost had this, you know, it's a, it's kind of a disgusting image, but this idea of, of being anal retentive of like almost like not being able to get the shit out of your body (laughs) it's a terrible it's a terrible image um but it's but that's kind of how i felt creatively and um and so it would take me hours and hours and hours just to write one paragraph in in a in an article and uh and now it's it's starting to as i'm becoming more okay with with things being imperfect and coming out and not looking exactly right uh, i'm i'm less blocked uh, but i think i mean it feels yeah i mean I, I can't believe i'm you know even offering anything like advice to you on this point but i think there's there's such a tendency to to grip things so hard and i, I think we just like when we need, we feel like we need to get something out. Uh, we just, we kind of strangle it and, and kind of push and push and push. Uh, and I think as you know, in our creative lives, we could just apply surrender, you know, so much more than we do and just step away 
from the thing that we're that we're trying to force. I mean, it's a different situation when there's a deadline and and then yeah, yeah, yeah. you kind of have to you sort of have to do whatever you have to do to to get it done in time. But if that deadline isn't there, um, like you know, revolutionary idea, maybe like we shouldn't kill ourselves, you know, in the act of creating. <laughs> yeah. We should we should just go you know go have a drink or you know go hang out with a friend or or spend time with our kids. Um, you know, I have a I have a boy and a girl now uh, who are five and seven. Cool. Uh, so I'm just yeah realizing that um, like all there's inspiration in all of all of those things and and so it's when you think of all of the things that could be inspiring that could inspire that next you know that next lyric or that next song. Um, you know, staring at the at the notebook or whatever it is you're writing on. Is mm-hmm. is maybe less inspiring than just stepping away from the notebook, and then going spending time with a friend, or you yeah, know, definitely. or drinking a strong cup of coffee, or just enjoying something that has a, a really strong, you know, sensual quality to it. Uh, and then yeah. when you come back, then you're going to be off to the races. I agree. I like. I totally. Agree. I like. Um, I could give you an example, like. Um, because most of the time, all my ideas are really bad. They're like just terrible. Uh, but if if I like this one song called "To the Bone," it's maybe a good ex- uh, to explain this. Yeah, it's like I, I felt I really wanted to do a song about jealousy. Huh. Uh, uh, and I I had been trying to write, and I had few words down, you know, um, some part of the chorus and stuff, whatever. But it was so tacky, and it was just like. It, but I knew, knew, knew like, I, I need, uh, like most of the time I need to rework and rework, and then um, uh, I went to see a t- I think two or three of my friends and just asked them questions, you know, and it, it turned out to be a, like, and I noted them down. As I, I said, I told them I'm writing a song about jealousy, uh, uh, just so not there. I need to get different perspectives. And then it was just so much fun to to drink, uh, you know, a couple of beers with this one guy, and he was so like, "Hey, you know, thanks for coming, and um, I'll tell you about this and that." And yeah. you know, and I nearly slapped her, uh, you know, blah, blah, it was crazy. And then another friend of mine was more philosophic about it, and then um, then I had a lot to go on. <laughs> you know, from there, you know, apart from my own point of view and feeling. Yeah. And was you know, and sometimes I feel you know, I, I should do that more. You know, in, involve people earlier into the process, just as a, for the sake of research, you know, or, or to fuck things up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you're, I, I, I've, I've always struggled to write fiction. Um, I've always kind of gravitated towards nonfiction. I, I think I, I just felt inhibited in some way in terms of the imagination, getting outside of my own head, but I. I feel like that's almost what you're doing by instead of imagining those other voices and bringing them in and and letting them and kind of come out of these characters like you're just going like a journalist almost and and going and bringing them back and and just making them part of your own voice because that is what happens with other people in our lives and other voices they they become part of us uh, and yeah. then and they just come out of our mouth when we oh that's uh oh, that's something my dad would always say or you know you say yeah. something and you and you realize that you've just you have all of these people who are who are kind of part of you uh, from all of those conversations. 
Definitely. And, and, you know, the self is always changing, you know. Yeah, I think it took me a long while, a long while to, to embrace that. I, I think I felt such a pressure to kind of be the same person from one moment to the next, because from my religious upbringing, the, the perfect example of how to live and how to be was, was this idea of Jesus. Uh, and the Bible always talks about how he's this, you know, God is the same today and, you know, forever and never, never changing as a solid rock. And, and, and so I thought that was how we were supposed to be, that we were just supposed to be these solid rocks who, who don't change and who've kind of figured things out. And, and then I realized that rocks are really fucking boring. Uh, <laughs> and that I, I, I identified more and I do right now identify more with the ocean um, not the rock, you know, sticking out of it, but the the water that's kind of moving and sloshing and changing shape, and uh, and I I think that was something when I was kind of thinking about your music and you know remembering the you know the fisherman who sort of ended up driving me after I was trapped you know up in the West Fjords for a while and finally found a fisherman who was trying to catch a boat out of Reykjavik and was, you know, speeding, you know, over the mountain pass and kind of down to, so that he didn't miss his, his boat out to sea and, and all of these fishermen and your, you know, your father sort of, you know, working on, you know, on fishing trawls and, and you working as a, a fisherman, you know, off the coast of Russia, you know, for during, maybe it was your teenage years, like maybe your twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, but there's like, you're so close to the ocean and, um, and I just now, like, I feel like I need that proximity to water and to the ocean. And, um, and fortunately, I do. I have that here in Dublin. You know, we're very close to the. Yeah. We're, we're just about a 15, 20 minute drive from the coast. So. Yeah, you're lucky. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I, you know, if you, you asked earlier about religion, I totally would say. Um, and I've I, like I've, I've 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 said this to a few people. If I had to choose religion, I, was, I would choose the water. Hmm. So it's it's kind of, you know it's so, such a part of us. There's something in it that uh, offers life, and uh, it's just fascinating on so many levels. Yeah, I mean Bjork has sung so much about that as well. This idea of of connecting to that that animal part of our past that that came out of the water and 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 just appreciating our connection to it yeah definitely yeah uh well, it's it's been lovely to talk to you thank you thank hey, you so you much and uh i took you away from your family for for bedtime but uh you can make it up to them tomorrow night hopefully no nah, it's it's all right we've been stuck in the house for two um for 48 hours now because of the uh, weather so I was really pleased just to go away from them <laughs> <laughs> well I, I'm glad I was able to give you the excuse for a little, for a little while yeah. <laughs> well it's great 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 uh, hearing you again and, and you know hopefully soon again If you enjoyed the topics we covered in this episode, head over to my website at jason-killingsworth.com, where you will find lots more content to check out. 
While you're on my page, be sure to sign up for my newsletter so you don't miss the latest articles and videos I'll be posting there in the days to come. There are links in the upper right corner to my various social media accounts if you want to hit me up directly. The theme music in this episode has been Morning Flats by the band Limbic System. If you're looking for them online, just be aware that their name has a bunch of Y's in it, like Leonard Skinnerd. Okay, that's it for now. Till next time, stay curious, keep making that thing you're convinced the world will despise you for, and try to be a bit more patient with yourself. Because as the proverb reminds us, be happy while you're living, for you're a long time dead. Take care.